it was the pastor's wife that said, you know, I just, based on where this is going, I really think you need a sex scene here. And I think you'd write a really good one. And so after that, after that, then there was pressure. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Joining us today on Steam Scenes, we have USA Today bestselling author Dylan Crush. Dylan writes contemporary romance with sizzle, sass, heart, and humor. A true romantic, she loves her heroine spunky and her heroes super sexy. When she's not dreaming up steamy storylines, she can be found sipping a margarita and searching for the best Tex-Mess food in the upper Midwest. Dylan co-hosts Romance Happy Hour with live episodes every second and fourth Thursday of each month and as a founding member of the Romance Chicks group where authors and romance readers can connect. Although she grew up in Texas, she currently lives in a suburb of Minneapolis, St. Paul, where it's probably snowing, with her unflappable husband, three energetic kids, a clumsy Great Dane, a lovable rescue mutt, and two cats. She loves to connect with readers, other authors, and fans of tequila i raise my glass to you (laughs) welcome to steam scenes dylan thank you so much for being here thank you for having me gosh that sounds really long when you're listening to someone else read it (laughs) it's actually not though it's super short don't even worry about it it's just hard listening to somebody like talk about like you you know like yourself yes feels slightly awkward so (laughs) So, hey, I had a quick question about Romance Happy Hour. Um, you're yes. at romancehappyhour.com. Does that, is that a Facebook Live thing? Like, how do you do that? I need to hop over. So, yes, we would love to have you. Um, it's it's kind of all over the place. So we do a Facebook Live show two, two times a month on the second okay. and fourth Thursday. And we stream that into onto our Facebook page. And then when it's done, we put the video up on YouTube. We have a, a podcast Romance Happy Hour podcast that can be found on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are that you you know want to find your podcasts. Um, and then also it's on our website. Very cool. So. I'm definitely going to go check that out um, because I love a good podcast, obviously. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> and, and absolutely think I'm like kind of intrigued by the whole thing. Fa- I don't go live on Facebook very much. I feel so like awkward, um, but I mm-hmm. love kind of like seeing how other people do it and, you know, and I, I need to do it and I need to get used to it. So, you know, here we you go. You get over it pretty fast. Um, and we've had everything that could go wrong, go wrong. That's one of the joys and challenges of going live. Um, I have a co-hostess, Don Ludicky, and I mean, we've lost the ability to, to talk to each other. We, you know, her speaker will, or her microphone will go out and we can't hear each other. One time we all got kicked off and, and our, our poor guest was there by herself. You know, I mean, it's just oh my God. everything that, yeah. But <laughs> But that's also what's fun because, you know, we just roll with it. And usually we have a cocktail or two while everything's going on and it just kind of takes the pressure off. So 
Uh, oh, okay. yeah, of course. Happy hour. What was I thinking? Of course, yes. we're going to have a cocktail. Holy shit. Of course. Yes. Oh, actually, we, that we always have like a, fun. Yeah. We have a, a drink of the week. So make sure you stop by the website. We, I think the last one I put up, it was my turn. We take turns. And so I put up an Irish chocolate martini. Ooh. Ooh. It was really, really, really good. So. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I'm going to have to step up my booze game. Well, we've been doing this for two years. So if you look at our website, there are a lot of, of cocktail recipes. Sweet. We love those. So, we love those. Yes. So, hey, again, thank you for being here, Dylan. And I guess we'll just to start off, I'm very curious. Um, when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? Have you always known? Oh, I think it's, I mean, you, you, you know, get this uh, question a lot as an author. And I, I mean, I think like most of the people that I've heard answer this, you know, it's like part of me always knew. Um, right. I wrote the bad poetry in my teens. Um, I used to write little stories. I'd make up stories. I went to Catholic school and we had to go to oh, church oh, yeah. <laughs> every morning at 8 a.m. And so, you know, while I sat there, I would zone out in my head and make up stories. Um, but I didn't really seriously start pursuing it or thinking I could do something with it until, you know, I mean, just a few years ago, I think like 2015, I started Oh, wow. Okay. Really writing, thinking that I could publish. Mm -hmm. Did you, uh, you don't, you can actually, you can absolutely be like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. But I'm curious, did you have another career prior to your writing career? I did. I had several careers. Oh, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> really? Yes. Do tell. I mean, no, we don't have to know, but I'm just kind of curious. Did any of them dovetail into writing or, or help you in any way? A little bit. I mean, I was a marketing major in college. And so, okay. you know, when it comes to sales and marketing, you're always looking for the story because, you know, emotions sell. And so, right. you know, I mean, I think that helped me a little bit. But I mean, I don't want to tell you exactly how old I am. But I'll just say the internet was pretty much like invented after I graduated from college. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, like the whole selling online and um, marketing online. And I mean, everything changes, it seems like with marketing nowadays. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, where was TikTok two years ago, right? Um, right, exactly. So I think, you know, it's hard to keep up. But but yeah, I would say, I, I have a little bit of background in marketing, but selling books is different than anything I've done before. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. So, so in 2015, you, I'm, I'm guessing before 2015 was when you actually sat down to write your first novel, kind of what, what made you say, Hey, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. Well, I actually, um, I have three kids. And so I was um, at the playground opening for my daughter's school, they, they had just put up a new playground and school was starting and she was going to be in all day school. And I was there with a friend and her youngest was going to be in all day school. And I asked what she was going to do, you know, with all of her free time now. And she said that she actually was going to work on a book that she'd been working on for the past couple of years, but now she'd actually have time to, to focus on it. And I said, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write a book. And so she said, you should join our writing group. And so I did. And, um, I had no idea what I wanted to write, um, but we just started meeting monthly and my first book kind of came out of a prompt because we took turns kind of coming up with writing prompts every month. And my prompt that I came up with was Stacy's getting fired, write it from her boss's point of view, her point of view and the omniscient point of view. And I sat down and started writing my scene and she didn't get fired. 
Um, she walked in on her boss and her best friend kind of getting busy and, and it kind of took off from there. And then they said, what happens next? I'm like, well, I don't know. And so (laughs) yeah, for about a year, I I would sit down like once a month because we met once a month, I'd sit down with a glass of wine and, you know, I'd write out a scene and I'd bring it to them and and they would laugh and, and say, Ooh, you know, you have to bring more next month. And so I, I just kept doing that until I finally got to the point where I had, you know, like 65,000 words. And I thought this could maybe be a book. So at that point, had you just abandoned the prompt thing and you just were going on your own own and and sort of writing this book? Yep. For sure. What book, what book did that become? It is not published. So it's um, because when I was done, you know, I, I said, I, I think maybe I want to look into publishing. So then I went to the library and I got that huge writer's market, like the, yes. you know, that thick yeah. book. And yeah. then I brought that home and I thumbed through it and I returned it and said, never mind. Like, this sounds like way too much work. I, I don't think is this is something that I want to do. Very yeah. overwhelming. Um, but then I started writing the next book because I was kind of hooked. And so that's the book that I ultimately got. And, and at that point in time, um, you know, I, I was too afraid to try self-publishing because I didn't know that what I'd written was even any good. And so I, I wanted to go through the process of, you know, querying agents, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I put myself through that agony? Um, <laughs> but, but so it was the second manuscript that I wrote that I actually got an agent and then a publishing deal and all that. So the very first manuscript, I've shared little bits and pieces of it in my reader group, but it is as of yet still unpublished. So. Wow. Is there a reason why do you just feel like it's not, you're, you're just like, ah, it's my first book. Um, or, or is, or are you just not, just not ready? You don't think that it's right for the market yet? Or I'm just kind of curious. Well, it was, um, you know, now looking back, I can see a lot of the things that I did wrong. Um, So for a romance, it was single POV. Um, It was 110,000 words. Wow. Um, Yeah, because I didn't know when to stop. You know, I I didn't know what story structure was. And, you know, I was maybe 75% of the way through and I thought it should probably have a point. And I realized what I was looking for was, you know, like a character arc. Mm. <laughs> I, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but I still love the story. It's, yeah. it's a story about, um, you know, as most of our chiclet heroines are down on their luck. Um, and she ends up having to work with the, she works for a plumbing company. Um, and she ends up having to work with the new celebrity spokesperson who is the ex frontman for a boy band that, you know, went defunct years ago. So there's a lot of humor in it. There's that a, sounds a really fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> that sounds really so much fun. fun. <laughs> and I mean, I think when you, when you don't know what you don't know, there really aren't yeah. any restrictions. And so I had a blast writing yeah. that book yeah. and it was, and you can tell it was all over the place, but you know, it was just my first taste of, wow, I can actually write something. And, you know, every time I I would bring it to my writing group, they would laugh. And I just, I mean, I got hooked on that feeling of writing something that other people enjoyed. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so is that, is that why, is that what drew, what sort of kept you going because you said you really loved it? Or was that even just the process of writing where you were like, wow, I miss not doing that every day. I want to keep going. 
I think a little bit of both. Um, during that time, I I was not working full time. I was working very, very part time. Um, I still had one kid at home, and um, not to give too much information, but he he was he my first boy, and he was a very, very, very challenging kiddo. And so there was just a lot of um, this was like a bright spot for me. I, I mm. felt like, you know, I. I I kind of lost contact with a, a lot of friends. My son took up um, so much time and energy. We just had a, a lot of things that we had to work on and um, appointments and and um, different programs and therapies and stuff that we were doing. And so I felt like my writing was kind of my own escape. And okay. so um, I think that's what really kept me going was I had this one thing, you know, that that was mine, just mine that I could look forward to. And why why romance? Because you're in a writer's group and you have these prompts that are pretty, I mean, pretty general. It could go in a thriller direction, a horror direction. What drew you to romance? I think, um, again, I was kind of in this, you know, I don't want to say I was in, you know, this horribly dark period. But, you know, there were just so many things that I had no control over in going on in my personal life that I just, I felt like life is just so hard. You know, I wanted yeah. that happy ever after. I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to make myself laugh. Um, and I, I think, I mean, just the humor. I mean, I've always loved having humor in my writing. And I just felt like it was my own, like I said, my own little escape. So I love with romance. I mean, you know that they're going to kind of put you through hell all the way through the book. But you know you're going to get that happily ever after or that happy ending. Yeah, you know you're going to be satisfied at the end. Mm-hmm. no matter what kind of crap they throw at you. <laughs> exactly. So and I craved you... that. Yeah, yeah. So I, can I wanted to know that everything was going to be happy. Everything was going to work out. <laughs> at the time, or even before, were you a big romance reader, or did you just kind of stumble into the genre? Um, a little bit of both. So I read everything. I was an avid reader when I was younger, and my parents were both huge readers. And so we had, you know, floor to ceiling bookshelves in our family room, and I would just sneak books off of there. So I was reading, you know, Danielle Steele and Sydney Sheldon and Jackie Collins, um, when I was, you know, like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, you know, I mean, my first taste of kind of romance and, and the naughty bits, you know, was probably when I was in, you know, middle school, high school. Um, and then, of course, we had that copy of Forever by Judy Bloom that everybody passed around with the highlighted <laughs> passages. Um, so, you know, I, I got, I guess, sucked into it then. Um, but then I read a lot of, you know, more like book club fiction, literary fiction. Um, I, I read, I guess, more of that through college and, yeah. and afterwards and everything. And then I kind of, you know, came back to romance just again. I just wanted something happy. So many yeah. of those books, because I was in a book club and, you know, with three kids and everything else and work. I mean, I was doing good to even finish one book a month. Um, so it's not like I had a ton of time to read. But um, I mean, I, I would just, you know, pour hours and hours and hours into like 400 pages. And, and I would just be left with this empty feeling like an unsatisfying ending or you know, they leave you hanging and you don't really know. They're like, oh, they want you to draw your own conclusion. I'm like, no, I need to know what happens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hate that. 
It's yes. like, <laughs> I really hate that. I'm sorry. I really hate that. Oh, you're supposed to go away and think about it. No, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I, I feel like I know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I just, there's too many other things I have to think about. It like, just <laughs> give me, serve it up to me, you know, like I just want it right there. Finish the damn so, story yeah. for me. Yes, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> See, so, yeah, I didn't want to have to think too hard. I just wanted, you know, like I wanted an ice cream sundae in book form that would just be satisfying yes. and calorie free and yeah, <laughs> just that's what I wanted. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. So do you remember the very first romance book you've ever read? If you don't, not a lot of people do. Some do, some don't. So if you don't, it's totally cool. I don't remember the very first, but I will tell you that, I mean, God, I just am aging myself so much here. So Summers, I used to ride my bike to the used bookstore. And this was probably like, I don't know, three to four miles from my house. And I would come home with just, you know, like huge grocery bags full. I'd balance them on my handlebars. And I remember one of the books, I got hooked on this one author and it was Jennifer Wilde. And she wrote these like, you know, total bodice rippers, historical, I mean, everything that, you know, modern day authors would say, oh my gosh, I would never put that in a book. I mean, these books were totally loaded with that. Um, And I just remember that was the first author that I really, you know, got totally caught up in. And, And years and years and years later, when I first started writing romance, I looked her up and I found out she was a guy um, and it just totally <gasps> really? blew me away. Yes. But it explains really? a lot too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. <laughs> little, little bit of, a little, little bit of questionable, like misogyny going on there. A little bit. Yeah. And, and, yeah. um, cause I, I found one of those books cause that was in Texas and I found out that, um, Jennifer Wilde was actually a man and lived in Texas, which makes sense why I would find them in Texas. But I found one up here when I was at, um, I don't know if it was half price books or somewhere. Um, and I picked it up and I reread it. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I mean, looking through the lens of, you know, how having, you know, half a lifetime behind me now versus, right. you know, me at my impressionable, you know, whatever I was 12 years old or 13 years old. Um, yeah, it was much different. So I, I think, you know, definitely our lens changes as we yeah. pass through life and, and different things happen. But yeah, that I- was, my first yeah. one that I got really hooked on. And that was historical, which is kind of funny. That is really funny because you don't write historical. I do not. I, no. It's intimidating as hell. I, I know I yes. listened to your <laughs> show with Kate Bateman. Yeah. And I mean, I bow down to her, but yeah. I, no. I mean, her research, the re- the research rabbit holes. And I'm a, I love research. Like, honestly, I would be, I like, I'm always going, you should have been a librarian because I just can go down. I love the research rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. I would never write. I would never write. I would just dig into that research and I would just would never, I would be like, I would never get a book out. Well, and I'd be so afraid of getting something wrong. You know, yes. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to, I would embarrass myself by even trying to say something here, you know, as far as like, what's the difference between a Duke and a, I don't know. A count <laughs> and, you know, I mean, yeah. how, how does, who the hell knows? Know. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> You know, just to sort of jump back a little bit about the books that we read when we were younger, I was a huge Sydney Sheldon fan. It's mm, probably mm-hmm. 10. Like, what? You know, um, and, and I enjoyed Jackie Collins, but Sydney Sheldon was my go-to. And I actually, 
um, oh, maybe a year or two ago, maybe more, I picked up uh, one of his books on Kindle and I've been trying to read it again. And it's so funny to see how much things have changed, like how quickly things, especially mm -hmm. in like that, in the genre world change, because it's a little slow, a little plodding, a little, <laughs> you know, yep. it doesn't have the speed at which um, romance, uh, romance and thriller writers really write now, you know, it doesn't have the same, it's, it's kind of like watching, you know, a, an old movie, mm -hmm. it's just a very different thing. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely changed. So, yeah, so, so for you, um, I'm going to start digging into that, the, the naughty stuff. What makes a sex scene good? What are you looking for? So, I mean, I think, I mean, sex is, you know, I mean, it's, it can be pretty mechanical, you know, I, I want something that's beyond like insert tab A into slot B. Um, right. It's got to have the emotion with it for me and reading or writing about one couple having sex shouldn't be the same as, you know, the next couple. They're, they're definitely, because they both want different things out of it. They both have different, um, you know, experiences and emotions and things that they're bringing into it. And so, you know, I, I, I guess I'm looking for something that's unique to that particular couple. And, and it's not just a scene that could be lifted from any book and inserted into another Right. It's actually a, it's actually something that is very specific to the two people that are involved in the, right. in the situation. I'm curious, do you, did your first, your very first book, did it have steamy scenes? <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about that, huh? Yes, we um, are. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. We're talking, we're going there. Yeah. We're totally going there. So it, it, didn't for a long time because so this group that I was in was not romance writers. Um, the woman that started it was writing women's fiction and she went on to get her MFA and she writes beautiful, beautiful literary fiction. Um, one of the other members of our group was a pastor's wife who wrote beautiful poetry. Mm. Um, another member was from um, Ireland and she wrote like wonderful political essay kind of things. Wow, um, this is such a diverse group of writers. It was a very diverse group. Another one of them wrote plays for her church. <laughs> so, oh my God, wow. <laughs> yeah, and so when I started writing this, and I just kept feeling like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to go there, you know, but I didn't want them to read it because, you know, we'd gotten to know each other. And I mean, this is like a pastor's wife and, you know, somebody who was in charge yeah. of, you know, the children's education at, at <laughs> her church. And and so, you know, I kept telling him, I was, I was like, um, I think it's, I think it's headed that way. And finally, it was the pastor's wife that said, you know, I just, based on where this is going, I really think you need a sex scene here. And I think you'd write a really good one. And so after <laughs> that, after that, then there was pressure. And so, um, so I did, I did go there, but it was not at the midpoint because I just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it off because I was terrified to write it and have them read it. So now, so it was, it was just the, so the, what was terrifying you was the expectation like of, of having this, the women in this writer's group that you were in actually read it. It wasn't a discomfort on your end about writing it. Um, maybe a little bit of both. I think it was just, um, knowing that, you know, 
when you write something and you kind of put it out there and, you know, people buy it on Kindle or, you know, they buy it at the store and you don't have to actually like see them as they're reading it. I mean, we would get together and they would read it while we were all together. Uh, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's it was that feeling of watching them and their reactions because we'd get together and, and we'd pass pages and then everybody would read, you know, quietly. We didn't have to read it out loud. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but they would read it. And you, you know, I would sit there and I'd be able to see their faces as they were reading everything. Yeah, um, and so, that would be weird. Like you're yes. just kind of watching them, waiting to, for the reaction. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, and are they, you know, are they comfortable with, you know, like different words? Did I go too far? Did I not go far enough? You know, I mean that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I got past that because now I'm, you know, like what ten or so books in, and they all are open door. So. Right. <laughs> So, so when you find, when you got that sort of like the approval from the pastor's wife and you're like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. When you sat down, what was that like for you when you sat down and wrote your very first one? Well, there was wine involved (laughs) for sure. I think it's just very intimidating. It is, isn't it? Yes, because I could read. I mean, you know, by that time I'd read like all the Fifty Shades books. And I mean, I was not averse to reading it at all. But just, yeah, like, I think every author has, you know, like, what do you call it? You know, are you just the terminology even, you know, I wasn't really sure what I even wanted to call it or kind of how far I wanted to go. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're it used to be, you know, like the purple prose, which of course, I mean, I don't write purple prose, but I mean, some of the books that I, I grew up reading, I mean, they were all, you know, he sheathed his manhood and, and oh, um, yes. you know, I mean, her, yeah. Screaming her, Violet. That's exactly yes. what was going on there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, she opened up, you know, like, like the petals of a rose unfurling yeah. or, you know, I mean, whatever. And so, you know, I didn't want to write that, but. But it's hard to find words. You're absolutely right. It is, it is so hard to find you know how many words are there for penis how many words are there for vagina you know and then you also you know so you kind of have to mask it but then you're like well why am I masking it because I should just be open about it like it it actually the struggle is real Mm -hmm. and I face that every time I sit down to write them well and I think you just have to figure out kind of where you are and what you're comfortable with and I mean now I I have no problem um I mean, there's very few words I wouldn't use, right? If right. if if I needed to. I mean, again, it's driven by the characters. If I'm writing, you know, a guy that's a total player that is, you know, used to getting his way in the bedroom and is pretty alpha. I mean, he's going to use different terminology than my beta hero that, you know, maybe hasn't had sex in eight years or something like that. Yeah. So I think it's all driven by the character. Ooh, this is a this is gonna a question because you do write alpha heroes and beta heroes. Which do you prefer? Do you have a preference? I like reading alpha heroes, but I have a hard time writing them just because my yeah. husband is a total utter beta. Um, oh, <laughs> he's just well. I mean, he can alpha up if he needs to, but you know, I mean, he's like a total cinnamon roll. I mean, he's he's just <laughs> yeah. So so I don't have the experience of of um you know, being, I guess, directed around by an alpha all that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just think there's, I don't know, I think betas get, betas are underrated. Um, but I, I think, you know, there's the third one, right? That's, is it, people call it like gamma or? 
I, 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 did, I didn't even realize there was a third one. Well, the third one is like the elf, he'll alpha up when he needs to, but you know, he's a beta with his heroine or whatever. Um, he's softer and more sensitive. And so he's kind right. of the best of both worlds. Oh, so, I like that. Yeah. So that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. I love writing the betas because honestly, I think that they break your heart in the best possible mm-hmm. way. Yep. You I know, agree. as opposed to the alphas who just kind of break your heart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I've mean, you do write um you know you have your you have a cowboy series and then you have but all of your series are set in small towns is that correct? Um for the most part. So I did just release a book called Getting Lucky in Love that's part of the Love Vixen series and that's actually set in Chicago. But Ah, oh oh good because I'm very sort of curious. I I wanted to dig into the whole small town romance versus urban for a minute mm-hmm. because I'm actually trying my hand at a small town romance for the first time. My settings are always urban, always always. Um and I'm just kind of curious for you like what do you, what do you love about them? Like why did you start with small town? I adore writing small towns and I think what I love most about it is this, is the town itself becomes a character. Mm, and then, okay. you know, I mean, in small towns, everybody knows every everybody else's business and they're all, um, I mean, you know, there's the gossip mill. Somebody knows something that you did that morning, you know, before you even get home for lunch because it's just word travels that fast. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, just like the town becomes a character. There are a lot of busybodies. There's a lot of quirky characters you can use in a small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. So... It just, I think it makes it a lot more fun. It feels like more like a tight knit community. Right. And so, right. And, and you get to also get into some pretty fun settings. True. And so, you that know, you don't have a lot of like barns or things like that in, <laughs> in big cities. You can get into some interesting situations. So since you've written, you know, both in urban settings and and the small town settings, do you find that the romantic moments shift because of the settings that they're in? Um, I don't know if they shift so much as it's, you know, everything needs to be unique to the setting and the world that you're building. And so, you know, I mean, in Chicago, we had, you know, public transportation, we had, um, you know, just figuring out like they go down to Navy Pier. And so, you know, you have just, I guess, a different, different landmarks and things right, than you right. would. I think it's also, at least for me in a small town, I like to make um, most of my towns, they're normally based on a real town, but you have a lot more freedom when you're writing in, you know, a fictional small town mm-hmm, than you yeah. would if you're writing in say, you know, like, I don't know, the Upper East Side of Manhattan, because there are going to be people that live in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And they're going to know that if you put you know, a Starbucks on the corner of, of this corner and there's not one there or <laughs> things like that. You know, I, yeah. I think that that's a little intimidating because of course we love to write in all of these great locations, but you know, I haven't, I haven't lived in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And so I would be, you know, I'd have to be very careful about making sure I got all that right and doing my research. So I think small towns for me, I love making up small towns because then you can really give them the personality yeah, that you want. Um, I mean, you could do that too with a, with a big city, but I think it's a, a little harder to believe that, you know, there's this huge city of 3 million people in the U.S. that no one's ever heard of, you know, if you're trying to make up a huge city. So, right, right. And so you're trying, it's sort of, I guess, 
and I guess as you had sort of said that the small town aspect, the small town becomes a character. I do think it's a little bit harder for the, for the city location to become a character, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yes and no. I mean, getting lucky in love takes place in Chicago and it's around St. Patrick's day. So, you know, there are, having been in Chicago around St. Patrick's day, I mean, there's a lot of things that are unique to Chicago. They dye the river green. Um, You know, I mean, there's, so, I mean, I think there can be things that are unique and, and when you get into some of those big cities too, like if you're writing about, you know, LA, um, different neighborhoods, right? So you've got different parts of the city that almost become a character like a small town. So I think you can, but yeah, I think writing big cities has been a little intimidating to me just because I don't want to mess it up. Okay. <laughs> so, plus I also, I really, I enjoy small towns too. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm actually having a lot of fun writing the small town, like mm-hmm. a lot more fun than I thought I would. And I do think it is because I do have that freedom of location. Like I know what town it's based on, but I can make it up and I can mm-hmm. move buildings around and I can change the town square and I, you know, and, and I can make, so I can sort of mold it and make it more, you know, unique to what I need. Um mm-hmm. You know, I just think that I need to layer in more quirky, uh, more of my quirky characters, uh, which I haven't quite done yet, um, but I'd like to. <laughs> well, and you have to make sure that when you do make up a town from scratch, you have to make sure that you, you know, like draw a little map, even if it's yeah. just for you, so that you don't mess up your locations. Because readers will call you out on that if you had the bed and breakfast was on the corner of Main and Elm, and then in the next book, it's on, you know, 4th Street. Like, you got to yeah. make sure that you... <laughs> you keep track of that stuff. <laughs> so before we dive into your um, into your steamy scene, I'm curious: Do you have a specific process um, for writing it? Like, you know, you've got a steam a steamy scene coming up. You're gonna you brew a cup of tea. You have a glass of wine. You, you like, is there a process for you, or it's just another part of the work? And that's and you just keep plowing forward. I think it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Um, you know, I don't have to like light a candle and turn the lights down or anything like that. I mean, if it's, if it's coming and I mean, I just roll with it. If it's, you know, part of my word count for the day, I I tend to go on daily word count. Um, And so, I mean, I just tend to roll into it. And and then if for some reason, you know, I'm not feeling it that day, or um, I feel like, you know, I'll just maybe kind of write the, the highlights of it and then skip over, but I'll do that with any scene if I'm not super feeling it. So it's not just a sex scene. Um, but normally I just like nowadays, it's just, you know, I used to have to really kind of gear myself up for it and mentally prepare and, you know, just kind of psych myself into it. Um, but now it's just another part of the book. I'm curious, how many books in do you feel like it got to that point for you where it was just another part of the book? Um, well, I guess I mean, maybe two or three, the second, actually the second book. So I wrote that first one and, you know, it took me like 75,000 words to even have them do anything together. (laughs) And then the next book I wrote, I think there's like seven sex scenes. So I guess I took to it really quickly. Whoa. (laughs) So it didn't take long. (laughs) Wow. There are seven. That's awesome. Yes. Um, (laughs) Was that, is that unusual for you or do you usually write that many? 
I don't normally write that many. I mean, I normally, okay. you know, I again, it depends on the book. So yeah. some of my books might have like one big one and then, you know, like kind of a smaller one or there might be like two or three. But yeah, seven was a little extra for me. I, I, yeah, I sort of, I struggle with the, the how many because I'm like, I know that readers, I think readers enjoy them. I've, I've been led to believe readers enjoy them, but you also need to be in service of the story because sometimes I'll be like, oh, wait, I only have one. Is that enough? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should slide another one in somewhere, you know? I, and so I'm just kind of curious how you balance that. I think it, for me, it's all driven by the story. That particular book, um, and that one is only published on Radish right now, but it, it, it will be coming out in, um, in a full-size book later on this year, I hope. Um, but that one, she's an erotic romance author, and she is working as a, a professor at a university, and she's paying off all of her student loans by writing erotic romance. And okay. so it's a big secret because her... Her mom is a Christian inspirational author and her stepdad is a televangelist. And so, and she's lost her muse and she finds him in the form of this hot, sexy bartender. And so basically every time they have sex, she's writing it into her book. Um, and what so. What a wonderful concept. Oh, it was, a, that one was a blast to write. Um, and so that one, I mean, it just, you know, because of the subject matter, I mean, she was using all of that for her own purposes. And so, right. you know, they, they got it on pretty early and it just kept going. So. so I'm just kind of curious because Radish is a different platform. So it's not, you know, you release serial serially on Radish, correct? I mean, obviously yes. it's probably setting up there, you know, completely finished at this point, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering, did that, did, did you know that that was the platform that you were going to be publishing that particular book on? Because I'm just kind of curious if that affected the story that you conjured, um, you know, the, the way that you wrote by, by putting it up on one platform versus, you know, just straight up publishing it. I did not know that that was going to go on Radish okay. in the beginning. Um, that was the book that, that I, got signed on with my agent, but then when she went out to sell it, it, it didn't sell. Um, and so I actually sold a different book, which was all American cowboy. That was my first book that was published. Okay. Um, full length book that was published. And so then that was, um, cowboys, small town cowboys. And so then this book was, you know, kind of a, not exactly the same kind of a tone because, you know, yeah. it was a lot steamier. The, the characters were a little bit younger. And so I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go with that because, you know, I was kind of writing small town cowboys at the time. And so right. I decided it was already done. I decided I'd put it up on radish and just kind of see what happened until I figured out what I wanted to do with it. And, gotcha. and so I didn't write it for radish, although there is a second book in that there's a second season. Um, the first one is betting on the bad boy and the second one is betting on the bartender. And so they're both, those are both up on Radish. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, okay. So are we ready to dig into your scene? Do you feel? Oh, gosh. Ready? I don't know. Are we? <laughs> we're, I'm ready. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I should have a cocktail, but, you know, we're recording this at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> get, get, your, get your mimosa ready. Here exactly. we go. So now this is um, from your book, Sweet Tea and Second Chance chances Correct. can you tell us a little bit about the book and then set up the scene that you've uh, you've given me yes so um the book is a second chance romance and robbie and cassie they used to spend summers together 
um, her grandparents, she would spend summers with her grandparents and they shared property um, across the pond from where Robbie grew up. And so they would come together every summer and hang out all summer long. And it eventually turned into, you know, they were each other's firsts. Um, They fell in love as they got to be older. And now she has come back because her grandparents have both died. She's inherited the farmhouse and she needs to fix it up and sell it so that she can make enough money to follow her dreams and open up a restaurant in Dallas. And of course, Robbie happens to be back in town taking care of his dad and he's the contractor she hires. And so the scene that I've given you, they've kind of been fighting this attraction to each other all summer. I mean, she came into town and she'd been seeing someone and he'd been back in town and he'd kind of been seeing someone. So they both were, you know, not really available to each other. But now they've gone to a lake house in the Ozarks for a weekend with some friends and um, his ex shows up even though he already broke up with her she's pretending like they didn't break up because she still wants him back and so um cassie has gone out and they they watched fireworks for the fourth of july and they're coming back to the house where robbie has been with who she doesn't know is his ex caroline because caroline of course hurt her ankle water skiing earlier in the day so so she's coming back to the house where robbie was he he's just gotten back from the hospital with Caroline and that's where this kind of happens got it okay cool so um okay so let me just sort of here we go and this is from um Cassie's point of view so just yeah and but I'm assuming because you write dual POV correct Mm -hmm. so at some point Robbie has a (laughs) we'll see what Robbie thinks of all this Robbie gets to say yes (laughs) okay wait you and Parker aren't together Robbie studied me his green gaze pulling at me no but it doesn't matter we're still doing the restaurant together our needs align Robbie snuggled closer tossing a leg over mine his hand rested on the sliver of skin between my my shirt and shorts I think our needs are aligning pretty well tonight. Although I wanted to fight it, my body responded to his, just like it always had. I'm not talking about the need you've got aligned with my thigh. I'm talking about plans for the future. Parker and I share a dream. He's got a vision. But Parker's touch had never sent chills racing up and down my side. The firm physical evidence of his desire pressing against my leg had never thrilled me to my core. What are you afraid of, Cassifras? You were too chicken to kiss me back when I dared you. I'm not too chicken. There's nothing between us, Robbie. There can't be. We're not the same people we used to be. As much as I wanted it to be true, he could tell I didn't mean it. He'd always been able to read me, to know me better than I knew myself. Then you won't care if I do this, he murmured, pressing his lips against the firm set of my jaw. A million tiny prickles danced along my skin, and I grabbed a fistful of the comforter. Nope, don't care at all. Are you done? His breath tickled my neck, just warming up. Love that little bit. (laughs) I love that moment. I just was like, oh, God, honey, you can just pretend and pretend. But this, you know, this is so happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what struck me about this is 
in particular is that there were other people that these characters were involved in as people have history, right? Like they're going to have other relationships and all that. And, but you've actually have these other people. I'm assuming Parker shows up at one point in the book or does, or is he just discussed? He does. He does show. So you've got the the, people, the people showing up in the book. And so I got, I got called out on the carpet by a reader for something I put in a book that was not technically cheating, but you know, I guess there, you know, the, the, the hero and heroine weren't together. It was, you know, part of a push pull. Um, and there was absolutely no sex. Um, but I got called out. So I'm kind of curious how you were able to structure these other relationships so that they were satisfying for the reader, but true to the character. That is an excellent question. And there are people that um, were not happy. That, oh, really? Yes. Um, although, I, I mean, I made it clear. I mean, it, life's messy, right? And yeah. so I, I made it clear that, you know, Robbie had broken up with Caroline and Cassie had broken up with Parker. Um, so, you know, in this moment when they do get together, they are both unencumbered by other relationships. I mean, there's still... Parker and, and Cassie were mainly together because they're going into this restaurant together and he needs her money. Right. So, you know, that was not, um, a, it's not, you know, like a, a definite love match or whatever. Um, and then Robbie had pretty much been pressured by Caroline. She's um, Swallow Springs royalty is what Cassie likes to call her. Cause she was, you know, the pork producers princess. And, oh. Um, and all this, her dad owns half the town. And oh, so, the alliteration is perfect. Yes. And so, and so, you know, she's kind of pressured Robbie and they've kind of been dating. I mean, his heart has always belonged to Cassie, but, you know, I mean, he's getting to the point where a lot of his friends are getting married and, you know, he's kind of just gone along with it, but he definitely took a stand and broke up with her. So, but she isn't used to taking no for an answer. So she shows up on this weekend to kind of bust everything up. Right. So pushy. Yes. And so, you know, they're definitely broken up. Um, But I think, you know, it is life can be messy. And and while, you know, I'm 100% confident, like in my mind, this does not constitute cheating, because it's very clear that they've broken up. um, I do think that, you know, some readers don't like that, that there's even a hint that um, your hero or heroine, you know, could have recently been involved with someone else or, um, they don't have feelings for the other people, you know, I've made that clear, but, but, you know, I mean, I think it's not always so cut and dry. Yeah. Um, cause that is something that I've really struggled with, with not only writing romance, but also reading romance because, you know, as long as we get to the happily ever after, and I kind of understand if there was cheating beforehand between the hero and the hero, you know, the hero and the heroine had some cheating issues in the past or something, you know, something like that. I can kind of understand that being a little bit icky because I guess personally I would be like, Oh, I don't know if that's the right relationship for me. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, like people have pasts, people are coming out of things that can be difficult to extract from for, uh, you know, whatever thousands of reasons might be unique to that situation. And so I've always struggled with this idea that there seems to be like, you you know, characters can't have a life prior to the relationship they're about to embark on through the, through the book, you know? Right. Well, and Robbie and Cassie, I mean, they were, each other's first everything. And so, you know, the history is there. There's actually a super steamy scene um, in an abandoned church where they, you know, it's a flashback. Um, 
And so like you get that for, for the right. readers, they get that history. So there's, there are a couple flashbacks in this book, which I think is also a risk because I think some readers don't like flashbacks. My editor um, hates them. I throw them in all the time. And she's like, why, why, I know, why? I know. <laughs> and I did pull quite a few out, but I did keep some in because I mean, I just, I love that sex scene. Um, it's, that one's probably my favorite, but I didn't want to send you that one because you know, it's, that was their first time. And so they're younger and, and all that. And so, okay. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. But, but yeah, that definitely is, is waiting for you in this book. Um, if you choose to go there. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me, it was more about them realizing that they are the perfect match for each other, even though all these other things, you know, they've like tried to, they've tried to move on. They've, yeah. they've tried to date other people. They've tried to, you know, Cassie moved away. She, you know, didn't want to come back. Robbie moved away. He came back. I mean, it's just, I guess that was the message of this story is that they were totally meant for each other, no matter what they tried to do to avoid it. I love that. Okay. Um, all right. Jump down this little short bit here. I licked my lips. Nice to see he was turned on and struggling for control as much as me. I leaned back and sat up, squeezing his hips between my thighs. My fingers skimmed his navel and teased under the waistband of his boxer briefs. He didn't move, just watched me slide them past his hips and down his legs. Unencumbered by underwear, all grown up Robbie's penis thrust into the air. I ran my palm along his length. He bucked into my hand, then hissed and flipped me onto my back. Hovering over me, he yanked my panties halfway down my legs. Okay, I love this. I loved, I loved the language that you were using here, particularly with all grown up Robbie's penis. I just thought it was such a great insertion of humor, and I think you have, you have this throughout the scene. This like, like you know, these insertions of humor that are so great and the callbacks I loved the callbacks to the fact that they were basically kids when they were together the last time and so because there were a few references to grown-up Robbie um, and pointing out you know sort of like moments of when he was younger um, compared to what he is now and I just really loved that there were those constant callbacks and it really did insert this humor into um, into the story well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know that I had a question. I just wanted to say that. I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> so I'll just move on to the naughty, naughty bit here. Okay. His hips nudged my thighs. Gladly, they parted. Anticipation washed over me. I gripped his arms and adjusted my hips, impatiently waiting, eager to take this next step. His hard-on nudged my inner thigh, then moved higher, making contact with the tiny bundle of nerves at my core. My hips thrust up and he slid inside. I couldn't help myself. I arched my back, putting me in that awkward bridge position I'd never mastered in yoga. Oh my God, I so related to that. <laughs> he wrapped an arm around my waist, cradling me to him. His hips retreated, then drove into me again, and we fell back to the ground. Something inside me snapped, the feel of him finally bittersweet inside me was too much. Overwhelmed by the sensation, my hips struggled to find a rhythm. Robbie rocked back and forth, driving into me with an emotional force I'd never seen or felt before. My arms wrapped around his back, urging him on. We found a rhythm, and the throbbing ache I'd, so des I I'd been so desperate to relieve slowly morphed into a budding release. 
Robbie increased the speed and I struggled to keep the pace. My ass rubbed against the carpet. The sting of a little rug burn was nothing compared to the sensation of having him buried deep inside me. Again, like there's such a great mix of humor and heart in this. She's being a little sarcastic. She's being a little snarky. And then she comes back to what she's actually feeling, sort of feeling. And I think that the reader, or at least me reader anyway, me as the reader, sort of woke up to the fact that all of her snark was a total defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Why is she pulling back from him? He scares the hell out of her. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, you know, she she has this dream that um, and I mean, I don't want to give the whole story away, but, right. you know, she has never felt like she's belonged anywhere. Her her backstory, um, okay. you know, her mom died when she was little and that's why she has to her dad pawns her off on her grandparents every summer. And so, you know, she thinks that having this restaurant in Dallas is going to be finally be the place where she's going to belong. And uh, so that's why she's fighting him so hard. I mean, she totally recognizes that, you know, there's still something between them. And, um, but she's telling herself like, no, you know, if I let myself go there, I'm, I'm never going to be able to, to have this dream of mine finally become realized. So oh my God, I'm so one clicking this. I'm relating so much <laughs> to her right now. Oh my God. Okay. Last little bit. Oh, Cass. Feathery kisses brushed my my temple, my cheeks, my nose. His hands raced up and down my sides. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay now. In that moment, caught up in the safe cocoon we'd created, sheltered from the world outside the door of that bedroom, I desperately wanted to believe him. It was like, just like that, you broke my heart. Boom. Right there. (laughs) Just like that. But it's a romance. You know it's going to have a happy ending. (laughs) Oh, I know. But when I read that, and that's the end. That's the last bit you gave me. That's (laughs) the end of the chapter. I was like, oh man, because, and you're, he is, oh, he's, he is your beta, correct, Robbie? Because he's beautiful throughout this whole scene. He, he is, he's a mix. He okay. he does have some alpha moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's got, readers loved him. I mean, he's, I don't know, he's the kind of hero that I would, you know, die for. He's just, he's got the humor. Um, he, he's definitely got the sexy, you know, all nailed down. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed Robbie. He's got to be one of my favorite heroes I've ever written. Okay. I can, yeah, he's, he's wonderful. And this is like, you know, just this little bit from it. I was just like, yep, I'm in love with him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, come on, Cass, give up your dreams. But no, (laughs) but readers got mad at her. Yeah. Readers got mad at her. They, they loved Robbie and they got mad at her for not, you know, for fighting it for so long. Yeah, no, but I can understand because she's built a life, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. she's built a life and she's got this dream and she's like on the precipice of realizing this dream of opening a restaurant. And she goes back, you know, to this place where she spent her summers, where she essentially grew up and like, you know, he's there and it's just, you know, that's a push pull. And there's, I mean, obviously, you know, it's so funny, um, a friend of a writer friend of mine and I, we sort of like have, you know, our support, our, our editor support network. Cause you know, your editor always breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. And, yes. <laughs> and, um, and she had pointed out to me, cause sometimes I struggle with conflict in my stories. And she pointed out to me, she's like, our tropes are our conflict. Like mm-hmm. you've got to remember yes, that. Exactly. You know? And I was like, Oh, okay. 
that's true. So like, you know, so like there's her, like that's her built in conflict right there is like, you know, she wants one thing and he, she, her life is going this direction. His life is in the other. And how do they, how do they sort of rectify that and come together Mm -hmm. to have that happily ever after? Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So is this why you picked this scene um, or this book? And because out of all your books, you know, this was the one that you wanted to, to share. I don't know. You told me to pick one and I was like, oh, I mean, I went round and round and I asked in my reader group, which one should I send? Um, and everybody had a different opinion. So okay. I just, I, I picked this one. Um, this was, you know, when they say like, what's the book of your heart? Um, right, I, right. I don't, I don't know that I necessarily have a book of my heart, but I will say this one is the one that I feel, I feel really connected to because I based the the small town Swallow Springs on um, a town that I used to go visit my grandparents in. I didn't get, okay. you know, like dumped off there every summer, but I spent a couple summers there, you know, a couple weeks in the summers there. And, um, and so the farmhouse that Cassie's grandparents owned you know it's like in my head a replica of my grandparents farmhouse and so oh that's awesome yeah so I feel like this one you know just had a lot of of me in it although I did not have a Robbie that lived across the pond um (laughs) for sure but also this book is the one that I woke up one morning and I had the first line in my head and I mean that was magic I that had never happened to me before and so um I just, I don't know. I think there were a lot of special things that kind of came together in this book. So it's, I think it's beautiful. I'm, I'm really excited to one click the sucker when we're done talking. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm really psyched. I'm really psyched. And this I one's wanna... in Kindle Unlimited too. So I do have, oh, okay. so this is my indie series. I, I write for two different traditional publishers. I have series out and then um, I do have an indie series, The right. Small Town. So Do you enjoy doing it yourself? The indie publishing? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do. You have so much more control. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I like it both ways, right? Right. So I, I do like working with a publisher and having the experience of working with my publicist and my editor and getting such great feedback um, where they do the covers and they decide what's going to sell and, you know, that. So I do enjoy that. But then I also really love being able to, to pivot so quickly. You know, like these books I can put on sale, I can do free days, I can give them away, I can, you know, when you're doing indie work, I'm in a couple anthologies, Um, I can do stuff with other authors, the Love Vixen project, that was, um, there are 11 of us, there's a a book in the Love Vixen series that releases the first Friday of every month. And so, you know, I couldn't do something like that through a publisher. Um, right. I mean, I guess I could, but you know, they would be organizing it and stuff like that. You just have so much more flexibility when you're, when you're publishing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, is, I, I do want to talk about um, your latest release that came out March 5th, um, Getting Lucky in Love. Is that part of the Love Vixen ser- uh, book yes. series that you're talking about? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so tell me about it because I'm absolutely intrigued by the, by the description. So the Love Vixen series is, it was an idea that Elizabeth Scott and Jeanette Winters um, came up with. They're two of the authors that are participating. And they just were wondering, you know, what if we got a group of authors together? And the whole backbone of the series is that all of the books revolve around either the hero or the heroine writing in to the Love Vixen. 
and the love vixen is a relationship guru who's gone global. Um, she's got a podcast and, you know, videos and everything. And so, so the first book in the series is called Let's Talk Love. And that kind of sets up the love vixen story. And then the rest of the books until December, they all center around a hero or a heroine who has written in for advice. And then in December, you'll get the rest of the love vixen story. That's so. really cool. It is. That's it was really, super really fun. Cool. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah. Um. Because I, I loved your um, the 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 self help question that came in. That's part of the description. Um. Who this this person's been friend zoned. This woman's been friend zoned, and I'm sort of like curious. Um, you know, and and they've been offered. She's been offered a promotion, and it's going to be moved across the country. And I'm sort of like, oh, does she leave the soulmate behind, or does she go and embark on this new adventure and find her real soulmate? It was like, it was great. <laughs> it was a lot. Of, so that one's. It's funny because I I don't write. Um, well, that one's more friends to lovers, but they've been friends for forever. And so you know, I don't write a whole lot of of um, couples who have been who've known each other since childhood, but, you know, sweet teen, second chances, and then right. getting lucky in love, they both kind of have a little bit of that. Although Violet and Griffin haven't been romantically involved before. She's right. been secretly in love with him for years, but there's been no action. <laughs> so that sounds um, really, really awesome. So Dylan, where can readers find you? Where do you live on the internet? Oh, I live everywhere on the internet. Um, my website, of course, dylancrush.com and then i mean i'm on facebook i've got a, a reader group crushing it crew we do a, a monthly challenge in there where i've got some goodies to give away um on instagram newly on tiktok although i, I haven't quite Ooh. found my feet on that platform yet <laughs> so. yeah tiktok's sweet. i i i haven't I haven't taken the dive yet. I have not done it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I've got a newsletter. You can get the the prequel novella to the Lovebird Cafe series. It's called um, Lemon Tarts and Stolen Hearts. And you can get that oh, when yeah. you sign up for my newsletter. Cool. And, then, and I will have lots of links to oh, perfect. Um, in the show notes so, so that people can, you know, find you easier. But it's always good to know. Um, best place to find you. Best place. Most active place. Where are you most active? Probably Facebook right now. Okay. All right. Cool. Dylan, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super fun to learn about your books. And I'm really looking forward to reading this. I hope you enjoy it. You'll have I'm to let sure. me know. I absolutely will. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. And we'll hopefully get you on Romance Happy Hour soon. I would love that. It sounds like super fun. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.